just kind of take a minute to myself there. Um, this word this morning is, is so important, um, so important, and I don't want anybody to miss this. Um, I know maybe for some of us, we, we could say, oh yeah, I have a relationship with Jesus, I'm good, and uh, that's awesome, hallelujah, um, but for some of us, we're not as sure as others, or maybe we just know that we do not. Um, and this morning, uh, we're gonna we're gonna read uh, Ephesians two. And to me, it's one of the simplest um, simplest portrayals of the gospel in in the Bible. And um, this morning, for some of you, um, I just believe this. I've been praying it um, since well, I guess all week. Um, some of you are gonna come to life in Jesus this morning, and I believe that. I know. You're like, well, you haven't preached anything yet because it's, it's not about me. Um, I, I could butcher this, right? And the gospel is the gospel. It's always going to be the gospel. It doesn't ever change. Um, and some of you need that. Some of us, oh, yeah, I prayed a prayer one time. That's great. Um, I, I love that. Um, can we be open to the possibility, though, maybe this morning that nothing changed for you when you prayed that prayer? You said something to some altar and and you said god i want you or whatever your prayer was save me um but you got up and it was the same right never anything different um never any change um and if that's you maybe maybe you're trusting in that prayer but you never really put your trust in god and um and this morning um through the help of um jesus i I just want to read this passage with you and um and just talk about the truth in Ephesians 2, but um, I'm I'm not foolish enough to think that I just can wade into that on my own. So I just, I'm going to pray uh, for me. You do what you want to do. Um, but uh, maybe this morning we could just pray that God will be open to your gospel again, just like the first time. Still an amazing story, by the way. Um, still true. Um, but let's pray. Father God, um, I need you. God, I, I cannot do anything on my own. I can't make my heart beat. I can't even even make my lungs work um, on my own. So, Jesus, it's foolish to think that there's anything in me that could, that could make this um, message effective on my own. So, God, this morning, I just ask that, Jesus, you just go before me. Um, God, and you just move in hearts in a way that I cannot. Um, God, that you move in lives in a way that I cannot, and you open ears that I cannot, and you open eyes that I cannot, and you open hearts that I cannot. And this morning, you would um, just give us access to these beautiful words of life. God, this morning, I know that for some of us, we've said this prayer, and we are when we leave this place going to heaven, but we've missed the full picture of what you really did in this moment. And God, this morning, give us grace to see and, and, and maybe even grace that you would just overwhelm our hearts again with the cross of Christ. God, for some of us this morning, that you would just um, pull back maybe the wool over our eyes uh, the, that says we're good and, and we act good and, and we'll be good because it's not true. Without you, Jesus, we are dead. Um, God, this morning, open us up to that reality. God, this morning, we need you. We need you. And there's nothing we can do. So, God, we fall on your mercy. 
And we just ask, Jesus, you do the impossible in this place. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, This morning, we're going to start a new series, and I'm so excited about it. It's called Heaven's Open. That's different. Um, But man, it's a reality this morning that heaven is open. It's a beautiful truth, right? Like, heaven is open. Some of you are like, what do you mean by heaven is open? I mean, like, whatever you would picture the entranceway of heaven looking like, right? Like the gates for some of you, or door for some of you, or maybe a little cloud elevator for some of you. Beside that thing, there is a sign hanging that says, vacant right? Like, we can come in. There's rooms available. It's still open, right? And that's that's an amazing truth this morning, because I think as the church, we've bought into this lie that that our God maybe is is not just saving like he used to, right? No, we don't see people come in in the masses like we read about in the Bible. We maybe see one or two people a year and it's true for most churches, just kind of a slow trickle of, of people. But, but I just want to say this morning, the gates of heaven are wide open. Our God is still the God who saves. Our God is still the God who loves. He's still powerful, and he still desires that people enter into a relationship with him. And there's all kinds of issues and problems and reasons why we don't see that. We're not going to dig into those this morning, maybe next week. But this morning, I just want us to come around that idea that our God is still the God who saves. Amen? Like, you still believe that, or is it just kind of like, I mean, he saved me, but that was 20 years ago, and, and now maybe he doesn't do that anymore. Because what I know is, like, God still is willing, and he's still ready, and he's still able, that our God is not weak, he's not kind of deflated, he's not lost power, he's not less strong and less able than he was 20 years ago. Our God is still the God who saves, and he still desires to see people come into a relationship with him. And this morning, I just want to remind us how maybe we all got here, and I want to do that through Ephesians 2. Ephesians is probably, if if you've been around very long, you know that Ephesians 2 is maybe one of my favorite spots in the whole Bible, and it's because it so accurately reflects my story. Uh, It just does something to my heart every time I read this passage. Um, It's in a letter written by a man named Paul, like little-known theologian, probably never heard of him. I'm just kidding, by the way. Um, It's okay to laugh in church. You're not going to go to hell for that. Um, But um, he's, you know, the guy who wrote this letter, and he wrote it to the church at Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. Um, And he starts off in two just kind of telling our story or the story of everybody who comes to know Jesus. And I think some of us are like, oh, my story's not that good. No, it's a pretty good story, by the way. And he just starts out telling them what used to be them. And he says, and you were dead. It's cheery. Thank you, Paul. Um, (laughs) Revival, I can feel it. Um, Were, past tense, used to be, right? He says, you used to be dead. It used to be your reality. It used to be who you were and where you were. You used to be dead, and you were dead. Here's the reason why. In your trespasses or offenses to God... And your sins, in which you previously walked according to this worldly age. This is what Paul starts off chapter 2 with. Hey, by the way, you were dead, and you were dead, and you were dead, and you were dead, and you were dead. That's awesome, isn't it? And you were dead because of your offenses to God, because you are offensive to God. Because you have sinned against God. What he's saying is you were dead, and you earned every bit of that through your sin. You're like, why would, he, why would he say that to the church? Because somewhere along the line, we've decided that we didn't 
used to be that bad, right? Oh, yeah, I, said, I mean, it just wasn't that bad. I said a prayer one time, and God saved me, and we have this kind of entitlement mentality, but the reality of it is we didn't used to be bad people, right? We used to be dead people. See, sin didn't come to make us bad. Sin come to make us dead. And, and you see, like, in, in Genesis, right, all, all the people are alive. They have this relationship with God. And God said, don't eat of that tree. Why? Because if you eat of that tree, you're going to surely do what? You're going to die. Not you're going to become bad. Well, if you eat off that tree, you're going to be a bad person. And you just, I don't, I don't know if God can handle your badness. That's not the deal, is it? It's your deadness that is actually the bad thing. Sin didn't come to make us bad people. If it did, all you would have to do would be improve our badness, right? Oh, sin made me a bad person. So if I can be a good person, then I can, I can have a relationship with God. If I can clean up my life, I can have a relationship with God. Some of you even say that, right? Like, oh, I can't come to church right now. I'm too bad. I'd catch on fire. See, that's not the reality. Um, the reality of it is sin didn't come to make us bad people. It came to make us dead people. And dead people can't do anything to improve their situation, can they? You ever been like to a scene of an accident and, and the dead person reaches over and grabs the paddles and they're like, clear. You ever seen that? Because dead people can't do that, right? They can't do anything to help themselves. Or you've been to the morgue and the dead person reaches over on the table and they grab a little air squeezer bag and they're like, <laughs> they can't do that. Like dead people can't give themselves CPR. Dead people can't do anything to improve their status. Dead people are just dead people. And without assistance from someone else, they will always be dead people. And he said, that used to be you. You were dead. Why were you dead? You were spiritually separated from God. Yeah, sure, you had a heartbeat, right? Yeah, sure, you had air in your lungs, but you were separated from God. And spiritually, there was nothing you could do about that. You were dead. And you were dead because you're offensive to God. All of you and me. Why are you offensive to God? Because we're sinners. You're like, well, I'm not that bad. Sin is sin. Right? Pizza is pizza. Doesn't matter if it's a big pizza or a little pizza. Doesn't matter how many toppings are on the pizza. Pizza is pizza. Just that's what it is. Well, sin is the same way. Sin is sin, and sin kills you. Doesn't matter if it's a little sin or a lot of sin. It doesn't matter kind of what kind of flavor you sprinkle on it, right? It's all sin, and sin is lethal. He said, because of our sin, I'm not that bad. Have you ever lied? You're a sinner. You ever thought a bad thought? Sinner, right? Jesus himself says, you ever been angry at somebody? You might as well have murdered them. It's the same thing, right? You ever had a dirty thought about a man or a woman? That's the same thing as going and sleeping with them. It's the same thing. It's not about how well you control your body. Some of you are really good at that. You look like moral people. Inside here, though, you're evil, right? He says sin kills you. He says that used to be all of us. And according to our sins in which we previously, that's used to, by the way, um, (laughs) not still, uh, previously walked according to this worldly age, just like everybody else, just like all the people, right? We all have the same disease. It's the same lethal disease. Sin kills, and everybody has it. And it says, according to the ruler of this atmospheric domain, you're like, well, who is that guy, right? Jesus is the ruler. No, the atmosphere is this thing we're living in, right? And Jesus in John two times calls Satan the ruler of this age, the ruler of this present world. Whatever translation you look at, it's Satan is the ruler of this place, and God's kind of the overarching ruler of everything. And what he's saying here is, you used to live under the power of Satan, that used to be you, Christian, right? Well, I wasn't a bad person. Well, you were a slave to Satan, so I mean, there's something there, right? Um, so 
That used to be you. And it says you used to walk in these sins according to this worldly age, according to the ruler of the atmospheric domain. You were a slave of Satan. And the spirit now working in the disobedient, the same spirit working in everybody who doesn't know Jesus. And you look at that and you're like, oh, that makes sense now, right? Why do sinners act like sinners? Because they're sinners, right? Why do ducks act like ducks? Because it's what they are, and we shouldn't be shocked at that, because, hey, we used to be that. The church kind of got this high and mighty thing where we're like, oh, we're not those people. We're not bad like that. We, we're the good people. We're the Jesus people. We wear our nice clothes and get up early on Sunday, and everybody else is going to hell, and they deserve it. We've kind of got that high and mighty thing, but the reality of it is it used to be the same story for us. And something changed for us, right? We used to this and that and we used to be under the power of Satan just like everybody out there is. Spirit now working in the disobedient, verse 3. We too all previously lived among them. Used to live among them in our fleshly desires or cravings, carrying out the inclinations or the urges of our flesh and thoughts. We used to just do whatever felt good, right? Maybe still do. Um, and this isn't by nature. Because of that, we were children under wrath, as others were also. Children under wrath, meaning we were headed towards the wrath of God or the anger uh, that God has for sin. That we were headed towards the punishment of God. And you're like, why would he tell us that story? Why would he start out Ephesians 2 like that to the church? Because that's who this letter is written to, right? He didn't write this letter to the lost people. I don't think you're going to find any in the Bible that are written to them. It's all actually to us, which is weird because it talks about the gospel so much, and most of us are tired of that. Um, But he says, this is your story. He he would get up here this morning and, and say the same thing. This is your story. This is what you used to be. You used to be dead. He didn't used to be bad. Christ didn't come to save you from bad. He didn't give his life to save you from bad. He came to give his life to save you from dead. And at the moment, Jesus gave his life. God gave you life. That, that's how that works. Um, that you used to be dead, and you were dead because you'd earned that because of your trespasses and sins because you weren't a good person. You were offensive to God. That was you. you. You actually used to be under the power of Satan. That was your story. Satan was your boss, right? You're like, oh, I wasn't that bad person. Well, you work for Satan, so you probably were. Um, Satan was your boss, and you just did whatever felt good. And because of all those things, you were headed towards the wrath of God. I don't like to remember that part. Um, get to the good part. Just get to the grace stuff. It's, you can't get to the grace stuff without this. Maybe we're not in wonder of his grace because we, used, we are under this law that we think we used to be good people. And really, we never were good people. We were dead people. Might have been moral people, but we were dead. And we were headed like towards the wrath of God, the punishment of God. I don't know if you want to experience that or not, but I, I don't want to experience that. I don't, I don't think that it all sounds fun. Like the, the anger that God has for sin, the righteous anger that God has for sin was going to be dumped out on you. And there was not one thing you could do about it. Why? Because you were dead. And dead people can't do anything to help themselves. Right? You, you were dead your trespasses and your sins you were a slave of satan you did whatever felt good 
and you were headed towards the wrath of God because that was your story. You were going to die. You were going to burn. You were going to be punished. You were going to be crushed. You, and you deserved it. And you're like, well, why did Paul write that for us? Because that's not revival material right there, brother. Because that's the reality for every person who doesn't know Jesus. I don't think you heard me. That's the reality for every person who doesn't know Jesus. Really. It's not a fairy tale. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Like God created the world. If you don't believe that, then it takes more faith to believe the other way, actually. Oh, everything just happened and it will turn out like this. Let me put my trust in that. Well, I've got some Disney movies. Maybe you can put your trust in those too. <laughs> doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. That's the God, the creator of the universe who's, who makes those rules, and that's what he says. And if you don't know Jesus, that's the reality for you. And if mom doesn't know Jesus, that's the reality for her. And if uncle or cousin or co-worker or people you've never met before don't know Jesus that's the reality for them and that's tragic and that should like break our hearts really shouldn't it because anybody that's in your family that leaves this planet not knowing Jesus is not going to be with Jesus. And anybody that's a friend of yours that leaves this planet not knowing Jesus is not going to be with Jesus. And anybody that you pass every day or you work with or, or delivers your mail or you've never met all the way across the globe, right? That doesn't know Jesus when they leave this place, that's their reality. Just like it used to be your reality. That they're dead. And they're headed towards the wrath of God. And there's not one thing they can do about it. I'm a good person doesn't get you very far, right? In heaven. Because dead people are just dead. You can't really do anything to improve that. You can be moral dead, but you can still be dead. And you're like, well, why, why, are, you, why are you saying that? Well, um saying that because somewhere we forgot how serious that really is. Yeah. Did you know that like 80% of the people in our city don't, don't wake up and go to any church on Sunday morning? Ever. Not just like, I went one time, right? You know that two-thirds of the planet don't identify themselves as Christians, and I don't know if you know this or not, but there's not a blood test that I know of yet. So the one-third I have high doubts about. I don't think one-third of our planet knows Jesus. So what I'm saying is a greater number than two-thirds of the people we currently today share the planet with are, are dying and they're leaving this place and they're going to step into the wrath of God. And they can't do anything about it. Not one thing. You're like, well, why are you, that's depressing. Why are you sharing that with me? Um, the same reason Paul shares it with the Ephesians. Because that used to be your story, right? Like it was your story. But now it's not your story. 
So you, you can sit there and you can be like, well, that's hopeless. There's nothing we can do about that. I, I can't make any impact in that. I can never do a thing in that. Like the, the world's just doomed. And, and, and why, why worry about it or why be heartbroken about it or why care about it? Because I can't do anything about it. And Paul says, well, you're right. You really can't. But it used to be your story. So something can be done. Because it's not currently your story, if you know Jesus. Maybe for some of you. It is your story, but it's not my story, so I can just go ahead and throw that out there. I don't know about you, but I know about me, it's not my story. It used to be. It's the past story. It's the story that kind of flip-flopped one day when I was 11. And I'll be honest, I didn't grab the paddles and spiritually shock myself into life, but something did happen. So, so he says this to these people, these people in the church who are surrounded right, by people who are not in the church. I don't know what the church at Ephesus looked like. I don't know how many people were there. I don't know what they sang. I don't know what they did. But, but we share this commonality with them today that we all were dead. Maybe some of us still are. And we were all under the power of Satan, and maybe some of us still are. And, and we all were headed towards the wrath of God. Maybe some of us in this building today still are. But that's not our story, some of us, anymore. Which means, yeah, it sounds hopeless and big and scary, but it's not hopeless and big and scary for me, so it doesn't mean, that means that there is hope for them, right? Yeah. So, so what is the hope for them? And here's maybe where the revival moment comes. Uh, he says, but God. Amen. I see, that's where like, we should clap or something. Like, we were dead, but God. Like, that's, that's a good transitional word right there, right? Like, I was dead, but God. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's like a little worship word right there, but God. Two, for it, two words, you're like, oh man, I, you haven't even got very far yet. No, it means there's hope in those two words, right? I was dead, but God. I was headed towards wrath, but God. I was going to be crushed, but God. I was going to burn forever, but God. I was going to be separated from Jesus, the, the creator, forever, but God. I was under the power of Satan, but God. See, there's hope in that word, right? Like, that's probably my favorite phrase right here in the whole different thing. Uh, I was dead, but God. Amen. Thank you, three people. We were dead, but God, everybody else, listen, listen up. Um, I was dead, but God, and then it says this. Here's what God did. Who is abundant in mercy. Another translation says rich. It means he has a lot of it, right? This word mercy is, is a great word. It means that God could have punished us, right? It means that someone has compassion or forgiveness on someone that they had complete right to punish. That's what the word mercy means, that that we deserved the wrath of God. Why? Because we were sinners and we we were offensive to God. God could have crushed you and nobody could have ever called him mean. God could have crushed you and he would still be God. He could have wiped us all out and he would still be good and he would still be holy and he'd still be righteous because he made us and we screwed everything up. That's wrong. It's like when you do something wrong and your parents hit you. Like, right, you deserve that, thank you. Parents, nobody with me? Okay, I'm trying to help you, but you just sat there and not talk. I'm trying to help you. Um, but we deserved it. But even on the people that deserve it, it says God has compassion and he has forgiveness. And not only does he have it, right? He's not got like a small amount, like let me check my billfold and see if I have compassion for you today. But he's got, he's got like piles and piles of compassion and forgiveness. It says that God is rich in mercy. We were dead, but God who's rich or abundant in forgiveness, right? And we, we, were, we were headed towards the wrath of God, but the good news is God has like a bank with a bank with a bank, right? Like full of compassion for us. Like that's our God. And, and, and 
He's he's rich in this mercy, and and because of his great love that he had for us, not right because of our love that we had for God. Some of us are like, oh, but then I said that prayer. Yeah, who cares, right? How impressive was your prayer? He speaks stars. You said a couple of dumb words. It doesn't matter how many these and thous you put in it. You can't impress God, right? There is no good prayer, really, when it comes to him. Like, what do you have to offer? Nothing. My words are not that good. For the guy who created every language, it's just not going to work out well for me. Um, but, but it says that not because of what we prayed or because of how we act or because of what we do. This is because of God's love, great love that he had for us. Right? So God is rich in compassion and forgiveness. Why? Because you're good? No, because of his great love that he had for us. Listen to this. <laughs> he made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in our trespasses. Rewind. You're not there with me yet. You were dead, and you're under the power of Satan, and you deserved every bit of it, and you were running off a diving board into the wrath of God like it's a play day, right? Too dumb to know your feet were getting hot. But God, not because you're good, amen, because you're not still today, not good. Not because you go to church, hallelujah, right? Not because you know all the songs, amen. Not because you changed your radio station, but God, because he's rich in compassion and forgiveness. Could have punished you, chose not to. Why? Because of his great love that he had for us. Not because you loved him, but he loved you. Made us alive with the Messiah. That's good. I don't care who you are right there. That's good. We were dead, and God come to make us not good, Amen. Anybody just with me on that? That's good news because you're still not and you frustrates you and you don't know why. But God didn't come to make you good. Not because God come to make us church people, right? Who like know how to dress and know how to act and make sure that we don't say the wrong thing in the right place. Like those people. He didn't come to make us any of that stuff. What he come to make us was alive. We were spiritually dead, and God, because of his mercy and compassion and forgiveness, came because of his love to make us alive. To give us this opportunity to have not just breath with God, but relationship with God. Communion, we talked about that atonement word two weeks ago, the at one meant that we have this ability to be at one with God. Because here's the deal, Jesus didn't come to make us good people any more than sin came to make us bad people. Sin didn't come to make us bad, it came to make us dead. And Jesus didn't come to make us good, he came to make us alive. And how did he do that? It says God did that through who? The Messiah, right? Through Jesus, through the Savior, right? That's what he did. He came to save. He came to make us alive with the, with, with the Savior. And he came to do that through the vessel of death. Amen. You're like, how did he do that? Well, God, right, the creator, he came down here. Wow. 
Like we've heard that story a lot, but imagine hearing this for the first time in, in, in the Bible, right? Like somebody just walks up to you and I just, I want to let you know like God's son came here. And he lived a perfect life because you're a screw-up and you're a screw-up and you're a screw-up. He came and he lived a perfect life. And at the end of his life, he died. Like literally, God took his son and he stretched him out on an instrument of death. And he, and he, he put his hands out there and he nailed him onto that thing. And as he nailed him onto that thing, what he nailed on there is not his sins because he didn't have any. Right? Like literally, God was angry because of sin. Sin is offensive to God, and and God was mad about it. And it wasn't Jesus' sin, it was your sin. And you were headed towards, what, the wrath of God. You were running off the diving board towards the wrath of God. And here's what happened, Jesus was like, get off my diving board. I don't want you to take the wrath of God, so instead, I will. So Jesus came down, right, and he lived a perfect life so that you could have put on you his bill, right, nothing. And on him could be put our bill, everything. And then as he stretched out his hands and he stretched out his feet, the wrath of God wasn't poured out on you, but it was poured out on Jesus, And the wrath of God, I'm just going to be honest, is not a couple nails and a crown of thorns and a beating, although that was horrific. It was all the anger for sin that God had was dumped on Jesus. And in that moment, as Jesus gave his life, God gave us life. What? In that moment that Jesus gave his life, God gave us life or the ability to have it. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, even though we had earned it. And then he says this amazing thing, by grace you are saved. Grace is an amazing word to me. I know there's a song about it, but we don't know it. We know the song, just not the word. Um, Grace means the unmerited or unearned love and favor of God. By definition, right, like you didn't do anything to get that. You were, right, dead. Dead people aren't impressive like you can't you don't have any gifts to offer God while you're dead um I'll read my Bible well you're still dead right well I'll say a prayer well you're still dead dead people can't do anything to improve their state and you were under the power of Satan had the shackles of sin like on you um, and you were headed towards the wrath of God, and you had earned every bit of that. And somewhere in our heads, we have decided that our story changed at a, at a but I. I was dead, and I was headed towards the wrath of God, but I said a prayer one time. It was a good prayer. And I said some these, and thou's, and then God come through 
I said a prayer, but I. Man, I was dead, and I was headed towards the wrath of God, but I cleaned up my life. But I started going to church. But I changed my radio station, but I blank, blank, blank. Can I just say, if you have a but I story, you are dead. Amen. Amen. There is nobody who has life that doesn't have a but God story. Because the only way to life is through Him. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You can't gain it. But you can be given it. And anybody that cannot go back to a moment that is a but God moment is dead. If that moment was not a supernatural moment that was beyond your power and ability by something else, you have been saved. But God says salvation comes through grace. It comes through the unmerited, unearned love and favor of God. Not, let me clean up my life. And then I'll say that prayer or let me go to church and then I'll say that prayer. But let me surrender to the love that's coming my way. And that's your story or some of it, right? For some of us this morning, maybe the story is I am dead. (laughs) I am under the power of Satan And I am headed towards the wrath of God, and there is nothing I can do about it. If that's your story this morning, what I want to say is, you do not have to live in that story. You don't have to live in that story. Jesus came and Jesus died to set your story in motion a different way, right? Like before Jesus, yeah, you had to live in that story. Before a Savior, yeah, you had to live in that story. And before surrendering to that Savior, you are still going to live in that story. You can come to church every day you want to for your whole life. I'll bring the key and let you in every day, Monday through Sunday, if that's what you want to do. But you'll still be dead when you leave this place. And I'll come to your house and play you Christian songs if that's what you really want to do. But you'll still be dead when you leave this place. And I will sit with you and help you read the Bible if that's what you want to do. But you will still be dead when you leave this place. You can memorize it. You can learn it. You can go help people out there in the world. You can do as much charity and as much donation as you want to. But you'll still be dead. If your story is, but I blank. But Jesus came to give you a different story, a story that doesn't end with, I was headed towards the wrath of God, or I am headed towards the wrath of God, or I jumped into the wrath of God. Jesus came to give you a story that was, but God set me free because of his great love that he had. He made me alive with the Messiah. Oh yeah, I used to be dead. That used to be me. I'm not that guy anymore. Oh yeah, I used to be headed towards the wrath of God. That used to be me. I'm not that guy anymore. I used to be under the power of Satan. I know that, and I'm aware of that, but I'm not that guy anymore. And let me tell you why. Because Jesus 
made a difference in me. So for some of us this morning, I just want to say this, and I believe this. Some of you need to give and surrender to him this morning. And maybe you've been trusting in church or whatever. I'm just going to say it's not going to work out well for you this morning. You need to give your life to Jesus. But for some of you this morning, we need to come to the reality that heaven is still open. We, we like to count people out because they do this or they do that or they can't be touched by God because they're in this place in their life. Can I just say, we all had the same exact story. The symptoms may have been different, right? Maybe I wasn't a drug dealer. I was not at 11 years old, by the way, uh, and I'm still not by the grace of God. But um, I know that left some gray area. I'm still not <laughs> by the grace of God, nor have I ever been. Um, but the reality of it is I was just as dead. And I have not, nor do I plan on becoming a prostitute, but I was just as dead. Now, I've never killed anybody. I've been really angry at people before, and I've maybe thought about it, but I've not done it. Um, But can I just say I was just as dead? It's the same story. Symptoms don't matter. The Bible doesn't even dig into that a whole lot, does it? We were dead. Jesus came to offer life. And anybody on the planet this morning that is willing to let God step into the story and put a but God moment in there has access to him. That's you. I don't know who you are. Um, That's you. But that's your family. That's your friends, and that's the more than two-thirds of the people on the planet that don't know him. That's the 80% of the city or more that doesn't know him. That's the people that come to church every week under a but-I story that don't know him. That's the people that have memorized the whole Bible under a but-I story that don't know him. Because dead is dead. But God came to make us alive. Let's pray.